This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1 800 889 9789. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm Count Oslager, joined as always by Rick Graham and Jake Crumpler. And it may be getting closer to football season on our X timelines, feeds, whatever they are called now, but we're still right in the thick of baseball season. We're approaching those playoff periods where we're going to need to find those latest things for save, latest names, so we're going to do our best to keep you updated over this uh, last wild week of uh, transactions. So guys, how are we feeling after uh, that waiver deadline we didn't really expect to actually be a thing? Yeah, I mean, it was... Honestly, I was kind of hoping there would be more uh, disparity or more you know I, I, it's kind of a bummer that just two teams are able to claim all of these guys and um, you know we'll get into some of the ramifications later especially for like the Guardians and what happens with their bullpen now but um, yeah very interesting I think the MLB needs to start to look at like changing up the rule there yeah. Um, because yeah they shouldn't the Guardian shouldn't be able to just claim every single guy on waivers and you know not let any other team behind him get a chance yeah and i think it's even i think it's funny that like nobody knew that's how it worked i think everybody <laughs> was like uh prepared for like a really exciting mm-hmm. waiver deadline uh and then nothing happened and then do the waving teams even get anything in return just like the salary relief uh, salary, yeah, the salary relief, yeah. I, that seems really goofy I, I think there's definitely the, the old way was definitely a lot more fun but I, I think this way is is weird yeah at the very least not the uh like make it so that these teams can only claim one guy and then they get reset in the uh-huh. waiver order because it gets really, really boring when two teams claim everybody and both of those teams are in ohio but yeah i mean it's still it's still fun to uh have some name switch teams at this point in the year we've uh become pretty accustomed to really nothing happening after that trade deadline uh just like outside of the very minor moves and this is definitely really interesting but i think it could have been more interesting had more teams been in the conversation but nonetheless both of these two teams that are currently outside of the playoff picture uh got influx of talent yeah we've all been playing fantasy sports well enough to know the best way for waivers outside of a, a fab system. Yeah, I was gonna say fab. Make, That's make fab would do, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> do that, or you make the claim. You're on the back of the line. You use your claim. You're done. You gotta be smart how you use it. So, but 
at least like you said, we get names moving around and it makes it a little bit interesting. So we'll get to those moves in just a little bit, but we want to cover those injuries as we always do at the top end. It's a big one. This has been the biggest injury we've had in the bullpen all season. Probably one we will be the biggest of all season. And it was a sad day when he saw this happen. Felix Bautista was placed on the 15-day IL with a right UCL injury. Immediately, Brandon Hyde came out the, 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 a day or two after the injury said, yeah, it's something with the UCL. And that's never a good thing. At this point, I don't know if we'll see him again the rest of the season. I, I hope that's the case. I hope we will help, but um, we got to start planning for our ways. So, of course, this has been the top closer, if not top two or three in all of Major League Baseball. But who steps in for the Orioles for save opportunities? I know Cano's been good. Fujinami's been good. How do you guys see the Orioles bullpen playing out now without the, uh, without the mountain the rest of the way? Yeah, it's really a, it's a, it's a bummer. Um, he's, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't expect to have him back the rest of the year. And it's probably, you know, haven't, it's not concrete yet, but I think Tommy John is probably going to be the route that needs to happen here. So in the meantime, for the rest of this season, I think it's going to be Yenny Acono um, filling in. I think it's really just everyone in that bullpen kind of moves down a, a spot in the depth chart and, Cano, we talked about Cano and, you know, we were a little worried about him uh, as of like late July, but he's been really good in August. He's he's starting to get, you know, swing and miss stuff back. It's been his best month since since May or since April. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about Cano. I think he's a must must roster in, I would say, and pretty much any league that's not a points league or, uh, you know, um, a very shallow 10 team or maybe 12 team standard leagues. He's he's a must add at this point. Yeah, I, it, the whole situation was weird too because he got removed with two strikes and two outs in the ninth, and it was like, I know, oh gosh, if you're getting removed with two strikes and two outs in the ninth, uh, right, right, one strike away from a save, that <laughs> definitely means something serious. And then when the Orioles refused to say anything after it happened, I think it was it was pretty clear from there that like, oh man, this is this is really gonna suck. And I mean, it sucks mostly because the the Orioles have been such a fun team this year. Mm-hmm. They've got huge playoff aspirations i mean they're they're already a lock but it's going to be a huge blow to how successful they can be when they make it to the playoffs but yeah i mean bautista was like on the path towards al cy young and then just sort of fell off in august and now this injury and yeah like like you said you have to think that it's tommy john surgery next and yeah i think it's pretty clear yanir cano is the next guy and and you're right uh much better in august uh not only does he have a 26 percent strikeout rate which won't blow anybody out of the water but definitely is better than what he's been doing but it comes with no runs no earned runs allowed throughout the month and he's allowed just one walk walks for something he was struggling with while he was uh underperforming but yeah, I, I think that that's pretty clear. Luckily, they are what I would consider bullpen gurus, so they can really turn some random names into good guys. Have you guys seen Jacob Webb since he landed with them? No, I did not since not he much, landed no. with them. No, yeah. So he landed with them on August 9th after yeah. the uh, Angels waived him. One point six nine ERA, fourteen strikeouts, and ten and two thirds innings. Um, that's a lot better than he was doing with the. Angels, and mm. that's a uh, strikeout rate of 34%, and that's up 10% from his time with the Angels. 
<laughs> yeah, they, they really, they just don't miss. So I, I think they will be fine in terms of like depth of the bullpen. I don't think it really destroys the depth aspect there, but it does make it so you don't have that dominant arm in the ninth because even like with how good Yanir Cano is, there is a huge step down from Felix Bautista to Cano. Oh, There's yeah. a huge step down from Bautista I- to any reliever, but yeah, that that's uh that's going to be pretty devastating, pretty difficult to deal with. And I think we'll see the ramifications more so in the postseason. but I mean, fantasy managers, you have to be happy with what you got for the season. Cause there was the yeah. scares during pre during the preseason when, it looked like he was dealing with an injury and and you, you got a pretty good discount in drafts and he was absolutely incredible all year. And uh, yeah, it was really unfortunate for anybody to go down with an injury, let alone th- what we had been considering the best closer in baseball and let alone with a injury as serious as a UCL injury. So yeah, that's uh, super disappointing, but you know, you got to keep your fingers crossed. Maybe he comes back in uh, the postseason to just push through it and then gets Tommy John after. For the sake of baseball i hope you're right i would love to see that entrance in the bottom of the ninth of a po- or top of the ninth of a postseason game that's just must watch tv him close it down so hopefully hopefully he's back hopefully it's just uh, an extremely cautious thing but uh, we'll hold our breath and see where that goes the rest of the injuries luckily not as damaging for our fantasy rosters eric swanson placed on the 15 day il with thoracic spine inflammation i'm not gonna lie i never seen this before didn't realize there were other things that could be happening with a, a thoracic something outside of just thoracic yeah, I gotta syndrome that. so yeah i was uh i'm just gonna see wilson 15 day il left hip inflammation and michael fulmer to the il with strained right forearm out of these injuries if anything impact their team's bullpen any names that increase in terms of holds at this point uh eric swanson is obviously he's the big one um it's you know i lost it for i had batista as the number one closer and swanson is the number one holds guy so losing both of them in the same week is uh is tough it's uh it's you know not what i not what we're looking for here but um it sounds like swanson despite that scary sounded injury it sounds like it could be a 15 he might just miss the minimum 15 days and be back um, but still, it probably bumps up, you know, Jordan Hicks. I think Yimmy Garcia is probably going to get a, a boost as well in the in the short term for holds leagues. Um, but yeah, not, nothing, you know, Fulmer was kind of already getting phased out there. And, um, Steven Wilson probably would have benefited from Robert Suarez being suspended. But um, yeah, the there's really nothing to play for for the Padres. So Wilson could probably miss the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I think for the Padres, I think the the biggest benefactor is Scott Barlow. He had not really been getting holds with the Padres. And now since Wilson hit the IL, he's gotten two. So I think he'll be the top right-handed option in terms of setting up for Josh Hader. Uh, he's not super fantasy relevant, ERA near five. Um, but yeah, Steven Wilson was definitely a guy who's been really solid all year, 22 holds. And maybe he'll be able to return uh, left hip inflammation. Doesn't seem too serious. But yeah, uh, I, I googled thoracic. It's uh, relating to the thorax. And then that made me have to do another Google search because uh, I've, ha- I've heard of a thorax, but I don't know what it is. And the thorax is the region between the abdomen inferiorly, inferiorly and the root of the neck superiorly. And I don't know what that means either. So uh, this is all really confusing. It looks 
Go ahead. The, I was going to say for the listeners, please do not come to us for medical advice no. or <laughs> any you of that. Four, you said Forex. All I heard was the Lorax. I, I did not hear yeah, that's anything. That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, we're not, a, we're not medical Look, experts. Actually, we just follow what doctors tell us about these players. There's a, there's a, uh, a picture and it's got a guy and then next to it, it's got an ant. And uh, I think that makes that helps me visualize it because it the the ant is split into three sections. You have the head, you have the thorax, and you have the abdomen. So if you imagine an ant and it's got those three sections, the head is the top, the middle is the thorax, and for us that's between like our neck and then below our chest, um, basically like right at the bottom of the chest cavity. So I guess anything that stems off that is thoracic um yeah but i think as as baseball guys we've really only have ever heard it related to uh thoracic outlet syndrome so this is really weird that it could be related to a spine it, it does i mean just the name of that sounds pretty painful but um yeah don't come to us for uh doctor <laughs> advice but come to us for legal advice uh Callen's a what do you, do you call yourself a lawyer or what that's what some card i have says i don't <laughs> i don't i don't fully know but apparently i took a test and they let me be one, so I got, That's I got lucky. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I got lucky, but we're not here for legal advice at this point. I'm sure down the road, maybe, maybe we will. Maybe we'll come we during arbitration podcast. Yeah, maybe we'll come talk about it in the <laughs> arbitration sense Ooh. again. Uh, but over to some of the transactions, we talk about the waivers being in the show, and the biggest move in terms of fantasy reliever implications is Renato Lopez and Matt Morrill acclaimed by the Cleveland Guardians. Obviously, we know they're not going to replace Emmanuel Classe. Emmanuel Classe is locked in, closer, all of that. But, Rick, you mentioned the holds list. Do either of them crack their way on the that? Are they must-add yeah. in terms of holds at this point? Uh, I don't see this as a tough thing because the, the Guardians... There's so will, many guys. Yeah, I know. The Guardians a, have... I, I wrote about how they have to, so many guys before this move uh, today, so... It's weird. I saw someone on Twitter mention it's funny how like the Guardians got all the pitchers and the Reds got yeah. the outfielders when it should have probably been the other uh-huh. way around. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, their bullpen was already pretty good. I mean, I, I wonder if Karen check gets moved down again or uh, I don't know. I still like Pitcher Joe Miners. S- yeah, I mean, s- oh, so no. Stefan's been pitching really well. So I think there's a, there, there might be an option for Ronaldo Lopez or Matt Moore to be be that like second setup option there uh, mm-hmm. but it, it does really it hurts it stings both of their values i mean we were talking about Ronaldo lopez potentially closing out games if estevez kept struggling and yeah so this definitely hurts you know he's not going to be closing out games for the guardians so yeah that really hurts me it's been a really <laughs> up and down season for yeah. my emotions re- regarding him but mm. yeah yeah i think i think you got that pinned down pretty well um because both of these guys have been really good all season like Reynaldo lopez hasn't really lived up to my expectations but that's mostly because he hasn't gotten a lot of saves we've seen his strikeout rate rise he's now above average and his his era is still below four so that's pretty solid and matt moore uh despite being in his mid-30s has been really good once again um yeah, I mean, I I think if they had just gotten Matt Moore, I think this would have made more sense for them because they don't have a lot of lefties in their bullpen. Then they could have like optioned Cody Morris and then everybody else could have stayed there and Matt Moore could have been like an integral part as the number one lefty. But adding Raylo in there too makes it really confusing because I think he's the number three right-handed option if you include Class A as an, yeah. an option. Um, mm-hmm. But 
I don't think he's like somebody that's that's going to be pushing Stefan out of a role. And uh, it, it gets really confusing with more there, too, because then you just have so many late inning options and also so many middle relief guys that would be late inning options on other teams. So it really does get confusing. And I think what's likely to happen more so than any of the new additions or the old guys on the team getting an influx of saves, saves or holds. Um, I think they just, it just gets spread out more. I think the holds are just going to be all yeah. over the place. And I, I, I wonder like what kind of impact this has on their playoff chase. Cause like you said, this team needed offense. They didn't really need more pitching. That's the one spot where they're good. Maybe they could have used another starter. They're rolling with four starters. So um, getting Giolito that that's, that's really awesome. But you know, I, the bullpen is like the one area on the team that you're not worried about. And they just added two big arms there and they're still five games out of the twins. Do you, do you mm-hmm. guys think this makes any difference there? Do you think they can pull, uh, m- make it a race down the stretch? I don't think, uh, I mean, Giolito helps a little bit. Uh, I think more so than these two guys. I think they're like, they, they could have, they definitely could use the starter. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't. It never hurts to add bullpen arms. So I'm not going to no. say it's a bad move. But I don't. Five games out with a month to play. Uh, that's there's a lot of ground to make up there. I don't know how many games they play against each other. That's going to be where it kind of comes down to. But yeah, I don't. I don't see that team making the playoffs still. No matter. No matter these moves. Yeah, like Rick said, I think it's a nice move, but I don't think it's a huge difference. Because Julio is definitely an upgrade over what they were thinking of having with uh, Noah Syndergaard. But yeah. Uh, I, I think it's, they're still a little bit too far back. They're still six games under 500. I just looked. Uh, they do have one last series coming up at the beginning of September in uh-huh. Cleveland for against the Twins. So maybe you can pick up ground there, but I don't know. It's going to be a tough one. I don't. It doesn't move needle enough for me to call the Guardians a playoff team or anything like that. But two other signing such claims that took place. Uh, Chris Davinsky signed with the Tampa Bay Rays, so he's going to be the next Robert Stevenson and be a lockdown reliever and push for saves with uh, mm-hmm. Pete Fairbanks. Chill, and chill. Dominic Leone... Oh, go ahead. Just, can we just talk about... I need to talk about Robert Stevenson because I can't stop Go talking about Robert Stevenson. <laughs> what he's been doing since he joined the Rays is just absolutely... like. In, it's it's bonkers. I don't I don't know. Twenty eight percent swing strike rate in over twenty eight plus innings. Like that's I, we've never seen that before. We've never see, like I think Batista was at like twenty one point something percent. Edwin Diaz in his prime was around twenty one percent. Stevenson's at twenty eight percent swing and strike rate. Forty one point two percent CSW. I don't anything over forty. I don't think we've seen over forty percent over a twenty five plus game span. I mean, it's just. Uh, whatever the Rays, yeah, the Rays are just so good at you know, d- like seeing potential, potential, and then just like diagnosing what the tweaks that need to be made are, and mm-hmm. just getting the best out of players. So it, it's yeah, Stevens. I'm sure Davinci is going to be lights out for this next month mm-hmm. for them for them too. No no doubt about that. The weirdest part is that he didn't start getting holds until this past week. Yeah, he had two like the whole time he was yep. there, and then this past week he's got three. And it was like, okay, you got the guy who's been like the best reliever in baseball the past three months, and they're, he they're just like, oh yeah, he's a depth guy. <laughs> yeah, he, I, yep. they they've done that before too, and, and not it's definitely not the same thing. But like, even Matt Whistler had a couple good months with them, and he got yep. like one hold total, mm-hmm. and then yeah, that's. So it really takes them a while, I feel, to trust to trust like a reliever in that high leverage role. They love to go to like their old, you know. I'm sh- I was I'm surprised he's getting more holds than um, Kittredge at the moment. So he's gonna he's gonna surprise people in the postseason. I think they haven't pitched yeah. Kittredge at all. 
That's true. And Stevenson's also a free agent to be, so... Ooh. Yeah, interesting. Interesting wow. guy to keep an eye on next year. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. We were in our group chat prepping for the show. I and A couple days ago, we were talking about what topic we want to talk about. And Rick immediately <laughs> says why Robert Stevenson is the best reliever in baseball. <laughs> so I'm glad he got that rant out of the way. It's, we say it all the time. Anytime Tampa Bay gets somebody, but it's really amazing what they're able to do in terms of pitching and development and turning people around. So yeah, Chris Tavinsky, put him on the watch list. Are you going to tell the uh, listeners what my suggestion was? <laughs> I got to no. hold, hold it up. Yeah, he was uh, one of our... Pete one Fairbanks our versus a Raldis Chapman debate. Who's better? Oh, we, we know will... the answer. Yeah, we <laughs> we may be touching on... No, uh, come on. Yeah, no, I think we all... <laughs> We all know where the three of us are going to lean on that one. We may touch on our old Chapman in a little bit. But the last acquisition, Dominic Leone, claimed by the Seattle Mariners. Does this matter? Uh, no. Cool. Mm. Moving on. Yeah. The last couple bits of news, Danny Clome activating 15-day IL with third Baltimore Orioles from left biceps tendonitis. Maybe he gets some holds now that Felix Bautista's out. Robert Suarez activating serving a 10-game suspension. And Ryan Helsley and Chad Green will return for the Cardinals and Blue Jays on Friday. Anything you want to add with these moves? I guess the Helsley move. Does he maybe go back to the closer role for the Cardinals or any other one that interests you? It doesn't sound like it. So, like, it sounds like they're going to pretty much schedule him uh, as to when he's going to pitch. It's I, Why are they doing this? I Just to get him some work, I guess. For what? Uh, for the offseason? I don't, I, I don't know, but they're gonna they're gonna schedule him to pitch like innings. He's not he's gonna come into clean innings. I, I so I don't think he's gonna see a lot of if if, if any clo- uh, closing opportunities. Um. So yeah. So the stocks stock arrow is still going up on Jojo Romero for me. Yeah, uh, I, I've held him in my uh, home league. Uh, he, he pitched really well his last time out, too. I, I'm, re- I'm excited about Chad Green. He was a, yeah. a guy who's been really good in years past. I love him because he can go multiple innings and that has also been really elite uh, at those three out appearances. But we haven't seen him since May of 2022 in the minor leagues. He had about a month long rehab stint and he actually pitched really well. 1.46 ERA, 15 strikeouts in 12 and a third innings. He allowed just one walk during that time as well. So he might be right back to being the old Chad Green. I think obviously somebody coming off uh, an injury layoff of this long, you got to look at What's his Vila look like? Are his pitches still moving like they did in the past? But I think this guy could be a big impact. And if Eric Swanson is forced to miss more time than we expected, then he could definitely climb his way into the high leverage situations there. And I think he'll definitely be a boon to uh, their chances in the playoffs if they if they make it. Yeah, as a Yankee fan, I was a big uh, Chad Green guy. I always enjoyed uh, watching him pitch. So I'm excited to... See him back pitching, not so much for division rival, but hey, we're a last place team, so why don't really not going to bother me as much as if we were in the thick of the playoff race. But we'll take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to highlight some of the closer trans transitions from the past week. New closers have been appointed, guys are rising, guys are falling. A lot of uh, movers and shakers in the ranks that we're going to want to talk about when we get back on In the Pen. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. 
Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PitcherList and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8- Hope and why in Tennessee call 1-800-889-9789. Alright, this segment's usually called three up, three down, but I asked Rick to prepare it and he's got about five or six names on each thing. So Rick, thanks for following directions. <laughs> but we'll get into the ranks. Like I said, there's a lot of movers, a lot of shakers. So Rick, let's kick it off with you. Who's uh, the first name you want to highlight in terms of uh, rising in the ranks in the past week? Yeah, so I did make... You know, I looked at some more, you know, pretty much a lot of numbers based off, you know, July for since July through August and move some names around Um, the first one. And we mentioned it a little bit a while ago, and I'm going to take this one because you guys always talk about him. So Pete Fairbanks, (laughs) because I wanted the chance to talk about him. Um, Other relievers. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But yeah, I mean, since since he returned from the IL, he's just been on a tear. Uh, you know, it's we kind of hinted at it. it's like, well, last year he didn't really take off until this, you know he, the second half, and similar doing the same thing this year. Kind of, it's um, you know, since coming back in June, he has a forty point two percent K rate, thirty five percent CSW, uh, point nine WHIP, you know, at two point six four xFIP over his last twenty one innings. Uh, and 12 saves. That's the big thing is the Rays are using him as a closer. They're not, you know, messing around, using him in different situations. He is their closer, and that's that. There's um, no competition. So I think, you know, especially with Batista going down and just, you know, some other closers have kind of faded in the second half. I think Fairbanks is is deservedly a top five or six closer right now uh, in, in baseball. And yeah, hopefully he finishes the year strong and. We can talk about uh, how right we were about him. <laughs> yeah. No, I really think he's lived up to the hype. Yeah. Uh, the injury sort of take away from that. And the ERA isn't exactly where you want it to be. I mean, 2.41, nothing to scoff at. I, I, I thought he'd be somebody finishing in the top five in terms of value of relievers, but I'll take finishing top five on Rick's rankings for sure. Um, but yeah, this is exactly what I expected outside of the fact that there's an even bigger positive that the Rays didn't fool around and they just let him be the closer when he was healthy. And that's so awesome. That's more than we could have hoped for. And that's been incredible. And I, and I think he's been doing exactly what we hoped he would have done. And I think, yeah, I think this was our biggest hit, even though there were times this season where it seemed like, dang, uh, <laughs> one guy that we were just hyping to all heavens uh, never quite reached the potential. But really, I, I think he has. And, and the strikeouts now in the second half are making up for the lack of those in the first half and the saves are coming through. And yeah, it, it's, it's, I love Pete Fairbanks. Yeah. It's, it's going to see you guys keep talking about him as a 
top five reliever. Uh, well, uh, Rick Scott at number two. So, uh, let's see. Yeah. I know where we, where we all fall on him. He's, uh, he's great. So, well, I'm going to be very happy t- for us to get a call right here and there. But our Pete Fairbanks love is coming into fruition at this point. But on to some of the other risers. Jake, let's go over to you. Who's a, a riser in terms of in your eyes from the past week? I'll take Rysel Iglesias uh, because he has been on absolute fire uh, since July 20th. He has not allowed a run. That's 16 innings during which he has not allowed a run. He struck out 23 batters during that time. And also he's on the Braves. He's the closer for the Braves. They are just an unstoppable force. And he's closing out all their ball games with little to no competition there. And so that's been really cool to see during that stretch since July 20th, striking out nearly 40% of batters. That's absolutely elite. 1.14 FIP as well. 0.69 whip. Nice. Um, but he's been, uh, <laughs> he's been really great. And I, just a couple of years ago, I, I, I was thought of him as like one of the, I thought of him as like a top three reliever in baseball. He had a year that, that I think made him like the number two reliever in baseball where he just does everything so well. He's got a deeper pitch mix than you'd expect from most closers. And I think that that helps him so much. And it's been really awesome to see. I mean, even preseason after, um, Edwin Diaz went down. I was saying Rysel Iglesias was the guy that I would trust as the second closer behind Emmanuel Classe. And while that didn't look great right off the bat because he got injured and missed the first month of the season, ever since he got comfortable since coming back, he's looked like the old Rysel Iglesias. And actually, if you look over the past four years during which he's really had his best seasons, from 2020 to 2023, he's posted a 2.58 ERA. He's saved 85 ball games, and that comes with a strikeout rate north of 34% and he's striking out less than 6% of batters. That's super elite. Uh, he's one of the most trustworthy relievers. He's still only 33 years old only, only, but like, I don't know. We, we see guys pitch a lot later than that. Um, and he's not a free agent until 2025. So I think this is a guy that's going to be just a huge uh, fantasy asset, especially as a member of the Braves for three more years, at least. Yeah, I agree with everything Jake just said. You nailed it with Iglesias. Uh, you know, he's the only thing I have, the only concern I have for down the stretch for for him this season is the, just the fact that the Braves are so far ahead of they, they've clinched they've clinched a buy. So it's like, you know, there's no reason to push him in September if you know they want to give him a break. He had the he had the injury you know earlier on in the season. So if they don't feel comfortable, you know giving him an extra 10 or 12 innings in September, he could see his workload kind of come down a bit. Let's hope not because he's been great. I have been one of my home leagues and, you know, we were probably preaching the stay water of him, stay calm. He's going to be okay. And it's nice to see that come to come to normalcy with him. I'm going to highlight Andres Munoz. We've talked in the past week or two, how the Mariners were starting to look like they were going to more of a committee and using him in Matt Brash and rotations. Well, in the past week, Andres Munoz picked up three saves compared to zero for Matt Brash. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Munoz is still the favorite. Five Ks in those things, so he's getting the K percentage back up, back up, including striking out the side on Sunday against the Kansas City Royals. He's starting to look like the Andres Munoz we were all excited about during draft season. So I want to highlight him as a starting to emerge in that committee and. Maybe Brash will still get a save or two down the stretch, but Munoz still should lead the surging Seattle Mariners uh, and saves the rest of the way. 
Yeah, I you know I I kind of waffled back and forth on him. It's um, but yeah, he's. It looks like he's going to be the closer. They're not. I don't know. I, I I'm going to continue. You know, I think I talked about how he was his swing and miss stuff was a little bit down recently. But it, you know, seven strikeouts over his past three outings was nice. And then, you know, it does look like his overall numbers since returning from his last IL stint have been pretty good, at least better than average compared to um you know the other potential closers. So. Um, yeah, he, he's, you know, still someone you want to roster and, you know, Brash is kind of just a deep league, uh, option at this point. I feel like Munoz is definitely benefiting mostly off the backs of the Mariners being so good in August because like he's been really good, but I mean, you think of Munoz as like an elite strikeout rate guy and 33% is that's really good, but that's not like the levels that we see from, I don't know, elite relief aces like Robert Stevenson, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it's still really good, but it's really offset by the walks where he's over 11%, which he's still got a strikeout minus walk percentage of 21% in August. That's really good, but it, it's not like as high as obviously it, it could go if he was either striking out more guys or, or walking fewer guys. I, that doesn't seem like great uh, analysis there, but I, I think it just makes it clear that like, He's a step below elite for me because he has that setback of walking too many guys and not making up for it with like an insane amount of strikeouts. I think he's still going to be a really, really good reliever throughout the year, especially if the Mariners keep winning ball games. But he's like just a step down from what I think he is capable of and what I think many people think of him as because he throws so hard. Like we mentioned, there are a lot of names on this list in terms of risers, so we're actually going to do a quick honorable mentions section where we throw one or two other names that you know, of note for us. So, Rick, we'll start with you. I know you kind of probably want to talk about this guy, so I'm going to let you take the floor. Yeah, just, you know, Kenley Jansen's been steady all year, uh, despite some X stats that don't look great. But, I mean, you, you go over, you, if you want to look at his stat cast page, it's all red. It's been red for most of his career. It's... He's uh you know sent over his last fourteen innings he has a one point two nine ERA and a .64 WHIP to go with a twenty six percent K to walk rate. His you know the walks are down, strikeouts are still at a good good clip. So he's he's been pitching really well and you know I've kind of kept him in the teens pretty much all season, but uh moved him up a little bit this this week and you know potentially could finish the year if healthy in the top ten. And I'm going to shout out Tanner Scott, who finally got a save, and it finally looks <laughs> right. like he may be the closer. We've been clamoring for this for quite a while, and with David Robertson really, really struggling in Miami, it seems like they're finally going to give him a shot there. And I, he just he really hasn't slowed down from the middle of May when he first figured out his walk problem. Since May 14th, 1.42 ERA across 44 innings. That comes with a strikeout rate above 35% and a walk rate of 8%. That's absolutely elite. I think he's somebody who should be rostered in every league because not only is he now the closer, but also he's been so good elsewhere and he he will get you holds if he's not being the uh, clear-cut closer there. But yeah, I I think this one was a long, long time coming and, you know, it it might be too little too late in terms of fantasy, but, you know, at least we were right in the long run that this is the guy that should have been the closer and he probably should have been the closer since about June. And I'm going to highlight Jose LeClerc with the struggles of Raldis Chapman and Will Smith that we're going to cover in just a moment or two. 
He picked up his first save since April 5th the other night. And since July, he's had a 1.40 ERA, a 0.83 whip, a 29% K rate. I know the XFIP isn't exactly pretty, but with the bullpen being a mess in Texas right now and them really starting to struggle, we know Bochi hasn't been hesitant to uh, to make the switch. Wouldn't shock me if they go back to Jose Leclerc and continue this revolving door of closers. I was going to say, did you see how Chapman... Oh, we're going to get to Chapman and yeah, we'll, we'll get to him later, but yeah, it's how he blew that save the other night. Uh, Couldn't anyway. happen to a better guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But speaking of people who are falling in the ranks, say, we'll get the Chapman. I'm sure one of us is going to want to mention him, but a couple guys have uh, started to fall and possibly even some bigger names than Aroldis Chapman at this point. So, Jake, let's start with you this time. Who's uh, one of your biggest fallers this week? I'll, I'll take Craig Kimbrell. He, uh, he just blew a save and uh, he really hasn't been as hot as he was in the first half. I mean, after he took over that closer role from Jose Alvarado. It looked like he was finally getting back to being the old Kimbrel that we hadn't seen in years. And then August hit and it's been not great for him. 5.73 ERA in August. He does have 11 strikeouts in 11 innings, but it comes with just three saves in the month. And yeah, I, I think uh, this was a guy who you could trust for the majority of the season once he became the closer. But because we had that idea that, oh, we got Craig Kimball back. We got Hall of Fame Craig Kimball back yeah. that we, we we thought, you know, we don't have to worry about this. He's a set it and forget it guy. He's going to get you a bunch of saves and the Phillies are going to be a, a, a winning ball club that, that gets him a lot of opportunities. And while he still has been getting saves, like I said, three in August, that's pretty low for a guy who should be getting uh, probably five or six saves uh, a month and a lot of that is due to his struggles this month and ERA over five is definitely something to be worried about. And I, I feel like it could be blamed on maybe like workload. He's already at 57 innings. And while that's something that he's uh, been able to handle in the past, we have seen him get up in age. He's 35 now. So maybe it's finally catching up to him or maybe it's just, you know, the ebbs and flows and the the unluckiness of small sample sizes for relievers, but definitely hasn't been one of the most consistent relievers, uh, especially towards the end of the season. Yeah, it's really been a um, a different Kimbrel since the All Star break. I mean, we talked about him just, like being a snub from the All Star game, how he was, you know, getting a ton of strikeouts, missing a ton of bats, and you know, since the All Star break, he just has a twenty two point one percent K rate and a ten point five percent swinging strike rate, um, walking nine point one percent of batters, a four point four seven xFIP. So yeah, he might. He looks, these are signs of him breaking down potentially. So I think Jose Alvarado is probably someone you're going to want to look to roster. You know, in leagues where you're trying to find saves to end the season for the last month of the season, or you know whatnot. I think Alvarado makes it for a really good stash right now. Who leads Phillies and saves the rest of the way? If you had to pick, Kimbrel or Alvarado? Uh, yeah, I'll still say Kimbrel because he hasn't done anything. I mean, he had that blown save the other day. So if he if he put, has another blown save or two the rest of this week, then you know things get dicey. But I think as long as they're not, he's not compounding, you know, blown saves. I, I think it will still be Kimbrel. I agree. All right, Rick, over to you. Who is your uh, biggest follower this week? I'll go with. I'll talk about Jordan Romano because he's kind of you know. 
he's been all right since he returned from the IL. It's a short, small sample size, but um, you know, he, he his walk, his command has been very you know shaky recently. He's got nine walks over his last thirteen innings. Um, that he, he I'm pretty sure his walk rate leads all closers over that time over you know since the All Star break. So I'm uh a little bit worried for him, and you know I know Swanson just ended up on the IL, but. Even still, they they have Jordan Hicks there. They have options. They um, and this you know Romano's returning from a back injury, which is you know something that could linger. Maybe he rushed coming back. Who knows? It's it's just the, the command needs to get sharper for uh for me to kind of bump him back up into the top ten again. And then there's also the idea that the Blue Jays are sort of taking it easy on him because he did have that injury and they yeah. don't want to like push him too hard in September to make the playoffs and then have him either get injured again or just be too gassed in October to really be an impact guy because they they'd really, really need him in the playoffs. They're still two and a half games out of that wild card spot. They do seem like the team that's going to be on the outside looking in unless the Rangers continue what they did in August. But yeah, I think... It's. I think the Blue Jays are in a really difficult position because they they really need Romano to be the closer that he's been for them the past three years. But they also can't risk him getting injured again, or like I said, him getting gas as they head into October. So that'll be interesting to watch. But I think just those question marks make it difficult to trust him as you would a top five closer. Let's also remember they do they did trade for Jordan Hicks and it's not like Hicks doesn't have yeah. closer experience. I think Romano's still fine. He'll be the guy, but like you said, there's a lot of good points there that they're gonna really want to be careful of him. But again, there's still two and a half games out, so you, they had to walk that tightrope being careful. But also, we gotta win games now. You only got a month left of the season. There's no more. Uh, there's no next month after this. This is the last month of the season, unless you want to count the three games in October, but. Besides the point, uh, I'll highlight Camilo Duvall just to wrap this segment up a bit. Uh, he's not going to lose a job yet, but since the break, he's only got a 20% K to walk rate, 28.6% CSW. He had two straight outings last week, which he gave up to about two more two or more runs. Since then, he's had two straight saves, so I think he's still fine. He's still the Giants closer, but things haven't been looking fully the same for for him since the all-star break. So it's worth monitoring. You're not going to drop Camille Duvall or anything like that, but you know, I don't think he's the dominant top five, top 10 guy we were looking at at the beginning of the season. I, I, I know you're just going off the script and I, <laughs> you didn't put Duvall on there yourself. Um, and, and, and that is a fair argument. I, I personally think that he was so dominant all year. And then he had like a two game stretch where I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was like a mental thing. I don't know if it was a mechanical thing where he just got out of it. Then they gave him a, like he gave, they gave him a four day rest. And I think he's come back and just gotten right off on track. So if you like take out those two games, I don't think you would think anything of Doval falling off of other than him not having as many saves. I think in August, he has just four saves, which is which is fine, um, but it does come with a 5.40 ERA. All of those runs came in those two outings. So I think outside of that, it's just like as long as he fixed what was bothering him in those two games, maybe he had a, a pebble in his shoe like Sonny Gray. Oh. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, 
uh, or, or or it was a mechanical thing, um, and that just messed him up for a couple games. And the Giants pitching staff helped him figure that out. Um, it seems as as though that's what happened because he came back and, and he's back on track. But you know, I, I think we'll have to see it for a, a few more outings to like totally be relieved of those concerns. But I'm not really concerned. Yeah, I'm not concerned either. I just I, I had him at five or six last week, and I just bumped him out of the top ten, just just out of the top ten. That's so, up. yeah, I mean, it's not a big, it's not a crazy thing. It's just you know, there's some other relievers who have been a little bit more dominant since you know the uh, All Star break. Yeah, like I said, I don't think he's droppable or anything next, and he's still going to be the closer and still be someone you rely on. But yeah, I'll put him. I mentioned him as just a. He's not the elite top top closer we were looking at from the beginning of the season but he's still great and gonna lead some people to fantasy championships but like we do with the risers let's do a couple honorable mentions so we can get Aroldis Chapman's name out there we'll start with you Rick uh, <laughs> you know if you want to take Chapman go for it if not no no honorable mention. oh sure I'll take Chapman and Will Smith just the whole the, the lefties in the Rangers bullpen have been really struggling lately um yeah. Leading to Jose Leclerc kind of coming from out of nowhere to potentially getting back into the closer mix because they're they that I mean talk about a team that could have used uh, Reynaldo Lopez. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure they put a claim in on him, but yeah, look, you know Smith's been bad in, in uh, August. Chapman's been okay. He's got 24 strikeouts in August and 13 innings, he but just can't save ball games. He can't save mm-hmm. ball games, and the walks are starting to creep back because he's got. Let's see, four, six walks in his last uh, five outings. So, you know, the, when we start seeing Chapman lose his command, it usually doesn't happen just, you know, for one or two games. It's usually like a two-week thing. So, yeah, I have I have serious concerns about him and Smith's kind of falling apart mm-hmm. in August. So I, I don't know where they turn to. I don't know if it's going to be Leclerc or if they, you know, try going back to Smith again. But right now it's a mess there. Yeah, I mean, Smith has more than uh, lost it there. 7.94 ERA in August comes with five saves, and those all came in the first 11 days of the month since then. No saves and just continues to struggle. He He's reeled off three consecutive scoreless outings, but those have all been as a setup guy, so I, I don't know what's going on here. I mean, I, clearly Will Smith is... Regressing and clearly, Aroldis Chapman has some bugaboos with being the closer, and and that makes things really difficult because it's like Chapman is clearly the next guy up, and and Smith is clearly needs a, a break. I don't know if he's being overused or or what, um, but yeah, there's not really many options outside of them that you can really trust. I and mean, we've seen Jose Leclerc be good in the past, but I don't think he's quite at the level that Jose or Aroldis Chapman is. But I feel like right now they really have no choice but to go with Leclerc because Will Smith has been struggling so badly and Chapman clearly is not fit to be a closer um, that it makes it pretty obvious that Leclerc should be that guy. Jake, let's keep it going. Your honorable mention for the segment. Um, I'll, I'll stick with David Robertson since I mentioned Tanner Scott. I mean, he's just been terrible since being acquired at the deadline, which is really unfortunate for the Marlins because they gave up so much to get him at the deadline. Um, I, I Right now, those names aren't super big because they're not top 100 prospects. But when the trade happened, I, I mentioned that I think these guys are going to be top 100 prospects as early as next year or, or the following year after that. Um, but since landing in Miami, 8.18 ERA in 11 innings after pitching to a 2.05 ERA in 44 innings for the Mets. 
clearly a different pitcher because it's not like he's been unlucky. He's got a 5.73 XFIP. Uh, I don't know what's going on. It's pretty hard to to pin down. Um, but I, I think he's just allowing a ton of home runs and a ton of guys on base via the walk is is probably his biggest issue right now. 11% walk rate after being seven and a half with the Mets. And yeah, I, I think he's probably a drop everywhere because I think even if he does start to figure things out, I don't think they're going to throw him right back into the closer role, especially because Tanner Scott's going to run away with this. Yep, and I'll highlight Gregory Santos as uh, another faller. It's been over two weeks since he's gotten a save. His last save was August 15th. He's had two of his last th- four outings where he's going to have two or more, three or more runs, and the White Sox continue to be a major dumpster fire by the end of the season. So if you're relying on him for saves or anything at this point, you may want to look elsewhere because the White Sox are going to continue to limp towards the end of the season and probably not provide you with much more save opportunities the rest of the way. Yeah, I agree. It's the, at this point, you, that's, that's a really just a, we know what, how that organization is run and you know, it's not well showing on the field right now. I There's can't nothing they, good. They hired from within for the GM. It's job. weird. Like, oh my God. They're, I don't know what they're doing. Just when you think they, yeah, just when you think they finally figured things out and made a big When did move? you think they finally figured things out? Well, <laughs> they fired they fired everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, they're finally going to do something like start moving oh, in like the right when direction." They, when they fired Larusa? Yeah. No, when they and fired Han um, in the past week or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sure, when they start sure. thinking like maybe we realize we finally have a bad formula here. <laughs> nope. It's, they finally saw the, the same light, formula. Yeah, but, it was but not. the light was on and then they just turned it off. It's like, you know, it's too bright. <laughs> it's too bright. <laughs> But that, that's a Raldish Chapman. I, I love when yeah. people post the like the yes. Donald Trump meme. No, yes. no, turn them off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as many Raldish Chapman jokes as we can make today, I am all for it. But we'll take one final break. When we get back, we're going to look at to some more deeper names. Some guys available in a large portion of your Yahoo leagues. Try and find you those deep sleepers, waiver wire type guys that can maybe make a difference for you the rest of the way. So we'll finish that up when we get back. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice 
on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we broke it down into three groups of people and ter- groups of uh, relievers in terms of availability. We're going to try and pick our favorites and find some relievers widely available in your Yahoo or likely or most of your shallow normal leagues to make a difference for you the rest of the way. So we'll start with this first group of four. Trevor May is currently available in 33% of Yahoo leagues. Matt Brash in 32%. Jose Alvarado in 28%. Adam Ottavino in 27%. So of those four, do you have a favorite of who you'd be looking to add at this point? I see. This is an interesting group because you have two. You have, a clo- you have a closer in May and a potential, I guess, closer in Ottavino. Uh, Brash and Alvarado are kind of the next man up options. But I, I still kind of, I don't know if I'm taking a chance from just this group. And they're all similarly rostered. Uh, I, I think I might go Alvarado just based on the upside, and you know you're just you know you you don't want to be late to the to the punch if Kimbrel does have another blown save, and then all of a sudden you have to fight for you know Alvarado on the waiver wire. So I wonder if if Alvarado makes sense there for a p- potential stash because I you know may may might be if you really need saves, you're in a roto league and you just need saves, then okay, I'll go with Trevor May, I guess, because yeah. he's guaranteed at least some saves. <laughs> um, but in head-to-head leagues, I think Alvarado would be my favorite of this group. And I, I think I'm on the same page there because May is clearly the guy to get if you need saves. And Adovino, I guess, is in a similar role. But the Mets have been really, really bad. And the fact that he's splitting opportunities there also makes things difficult. Uh, so I, I feel like he is a step below May even, even though he's a better pitcher. And then that leaves Brash and Alvarado, which... I think Alvarado is similar to Brash in that they're both really good pitchers, just regardless of their role. But I think Alvarado has a larger chance of getting more save opportunities in September. And so that's why I have him over Brash and over the rest of the guys, because I think he maybe uh, has a a closer relationship to Brash in terms of Mm -hmm. being the best reliever of these four. But I think he gets that step up because he has a, a easier path towards save opportunities. Let's sweep it. I'll take Alvarado's group as well, but I think Brash is, a, like you said, a very close second. I, I still think there's a slight committee in Seattle. I know I mentioned Minos is the, the favorite at this point, but again, they're another team that's right in the thick of this AL West race, and if, if Minos has any signs of struggles, they'll move up, back over to Brash, I think, and that'll make him quite valuable, but if you had to pick one right now, I think Alvarado can make a big difference for those Phillies the rest of the way. Next group, we got Hunter Harvey at twenty two percent, and we could stop right there. <laughs> the rest one, of it, it's at one day. At what time we could have? Yes, yeah, <laughs> now the, the remainder of that group: Jose Leclerc at twenty one percent. We mentioned him a lot in this show. Justin Lawrence at nineteen percent uh, rostered, and Edwin Diaz at nineteen percent. He may make a comeback for the Mets. So, mm. of those four, is there one that you want to roster currently more than the others? I'm out on Lawrence. Uh, I don't know. Th- even though he's technically the closer, I think I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much over 
over him at this point. Um, so that leaves Diaz, who might come back despite the fact that again it's another one of those like situations like why does this really need to happen but sure Mm -hmm. if it does um so you know i think harvey does have a chance to 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 close out some games in september but um i i think leclerc right now makes the most sense as a guy to take a chance on until we hear you know what the plan the definite plan is for diaz i think um yeah yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I think Harvey is probably I, I'm gonna say the best reliever here. Obviously, Edwin Diaz is here, but he hasn't pitched at all. Harvey has been really good this year, but so has Kyle Finnegan, and I don't think he's gonna take over that role. He's definitely more of a setup guy, and I think Lawrence is in that same boat as Trevor May. He just pitches in an awful ballpark, mm. and I don't think Edwin Diaz is even if he does come back. I feel like he's gonna be extremely limited. I don't think they're gonna have him closing out games, and even if they do. There won't be many opportunities because the Mets are so bad. And so that sort of leaves LeClerc as like the clear outlier there where he just got a save. It looks like he's on his way up. He's been pitching really well over the past couple of months. And so he clearly stands out as the guy to have that ability to get saves while also being the one of the better pitchers from this group. I think he's in that same boat as Alvarado where it's like his stock is rising because the save situation is becoming uh, rockier and and. I guess then you would want Justin Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the same situation is becoming a, a little bit scary. So uh, that, that allows him to sneak in there. And then he's also just like a, a really good reliever. So I think I'm going Leclerc there as well. Yep. I'm going to agree with you guys. Once again, it's the most secure part for saves at this point, even though, I mean, Lawrence is the safest, I guess, for closer, but I'm not taking a Rocky closer uh, for the last month of the season. No, thanks. I'll take Leclerc and, Hope that the rest can maybe become interesting options. And the final grouping are the most widely available. Jason Foley, 17% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Jojo Romero at 12% rostered. Gregory Santos, we mentioned before, at 12% rostered as well. And Carlos Hernandez, only 8% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. These guys seem to, for the most part, have a secure... Oh, be a current favorite for saves for their teams, mm-hmm. but they're just not good teams. So do we have a preference of among these four? to a uh, roster. Uh, yeah, I think it's Jojo Romero and, uh, and that's oh, it. <laughs> and it's not close. Well, I know I can't stop talking about him. All right. No, I meant, Oh my gosh, because we're going to have the same choices. For oh, all I know. Of them. I know it did turn out that way. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Carlos Hernandez at 8% is interesting. Like uh, I know the Royals aren't going to give him a ton of save chances, but um, he might be my second favorite of this group. I, I think I've, I might like him a little more than Santos at this point. And then Foley, it just comes down to, I know Lang blew a save today, so maybe Foley gets some more run as closer there. But um, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I, it's tough because he's not the locked in guy there. So I, I think Hernandez could be my second favorite of this group. Yeah, I, this is a really fun group. Uh, like Callum said, these guys are all closers on bad teams. Uh, it, the thing with Folly, though, is like we are not sure he is the closer. Alex Lang is the Tigers are doing really weird stuff right now. No idea who the closer is. They they don't seem to know either. Um, and I, I think Folly is he's really good. He's not a strikeout guy. And then he's also like not guaranteed the saves there. So I, I don't know there. He's really hard for me to pin down. Um and, and that makes it difficult to choose him as the guy here. And Carlos Hernandez is sort of in the same boat where the Royals just never get saves and they like 
rarely want to give them to Hernandez. And then that makes them use him in weird situations. And he sort of struggles with that as well. And then Gregory Santos is just, I don't know, the White Sox are just dragging him down, I think, because I think he could be really good, but just doesn't get too many opportunities and hasn't really been super elite since taking over that closer role. And Jojo Romero has just been incredible. Um, despite the influx of competition with Helsley coming back and Gallego still around, I think Romero's still not only the best reliever amongst this group, but also it looks like he's might have the shot at having the most saves here. I think all of these guys definitely clearly have their flaws and that's why they're rostered below 20%. But I think if you're going for one guy, I think it's going to be Romero because it looks like he could at least grab a handful of saves in September. And if he doesn't, I think he's going to just pitch really well and he can go multiple innings, which I always love. Yep. I I will again. Thinks we had the same masters, but Jojo Romero will be the favorite for me. But before we wrap up the segment, let's recap uh, just three favorite, three overall favorites. I know we put in the groups, but if you had to add uh, any of those 12 guys we talked about, just real quick, your rank your top three. I would go Romero first, and then I really don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll go Romero. Alvarado, Clark, yeah, 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 all twelve. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that—that's the same thing for me. Where it's uh, <laughs> uh, like like the the other options are are there, but uh, they sort of have those flaws, and and I feel like all yeah. these guys are just they just stand out in those groups really well. I, I think maybe I would consider. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if I would consider Brash over Leclerc, um, but I, I think Romero and Alvarado are pretty obvious. And then the way uh, the closing situation is turning out in Texas, I feel like Leclerc becomes pretty obvious there. But you know, I, I would not be opposed to rostering any of those guys in the the bottom tier. I sort of like those guys more than the uh, guys above them because they have a clearer path to closing, and they seem to have like more potential than the other guys. But I mean. We're in September, and uh, anything can go now. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good grouping. So I think it's a, a good way to uh, to wrap that up. Definitely keep an eye out for those guys because we're in the, the final thick of things. We're a month into the a month for coding season. So these guys can as poor of teams as they're on, and as unexpected as they were to be contributors, they could be a big difference down the stretch. So before we wrap it up, as always, why don't you guys plug where you can be found on Twitter, any, or excuse me, any other work that you have currently going on? Um, yeah, you can find me at I am Rick Graham on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it these days. And then, um, yeah, you know, just one more month left to go in the season. Uh, We'll be doing closing time up until the end of the year, hold up until the end of the year. I know it's fantasy football season. I'm, you know, about to be in the middle of it, about to have a draft right now. So I get the baseball season kind of, you know, slows down at this point, but uh, we'll, we'll be here for you at Pitcher List to make sure that, you know, we finish strong and hopefully you can uh, f- have good finishes in your fantasy leagues. Yes, sir. And you can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter. 
Um, I just posted an article on Pitcher List uh, about Cabrian Hayes finally breaking out. So go check that out. Uh, it's a fun read. It's not too long. It's not super uh, stat uh, intensive as well. So I, th- I think it's just a fun read. And then obviously I do reliever ranks every week and I do the weekend editions of the First Pitch Podcast. And you can also listen to my personal podcast called Free Baseball. It's on my Twitter. It's also on at Athletes Hub on Twitter. And uh, it's on YouTube, on their YouTube as well. Lots of places to watch it. Um, other than that, I also write for Baseball HQ, and you can find all my work at crumplerbaseball.com. I need to update it. I think it's been like two months. <laughs> yeah, you find me at Callan underscore Elslager at In the Pen Pod. We've, like Rick said, I know football season's coming up, and some of us on this show are excited for that, but we're not going to forget about the, those baseball, the baseball listeners and what got us here. This is a. Like I said, we're in the final stretch of things and you know, we're trying to make the difference in terms of your leagues. There's only a few saves still out there. Some people are probably only a save or two behind the first place team trying to make a difference to go get themselves a championship. So we're going to do everything we can to try and find those under the radar names, guys you want to get towards the end of the season and help bring home some pitcher list titles. So that's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. As always, you can find us on asking any question on twitter discord whatever you need to do to try and uh, get some of these uh, last little bit question questions answered before the end of the season but we'll catch you next week as we uh, get into september for the on the in the pen podcast